This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Thanks so much for joining us on our latest podcast. We begin this one from Northport, where the Rays played their latest game on Wednesday and are about to begin their next phase of spring training. They'll have games in their regular season home ballpark. Of course, they spent the first portion of spring training in the Orlando area and then bounced around for their road games, but now playing at Tropicana Field on Thursday. Now, as far as this podcast goes, we've got a variety of things because this is not only a a week where there's change going on in terms of the Rays' home ballpark and home facilities for spring training, but we also have the World Baseball Classic set to begin, and we've got players starting to move. And we had big news on the injury front with uh, Tyler Glass now going down with an oblique strain that will have him sidelined for six to eight weeks. And we'll chat in a little bit with Mark Topkin about that. Later on in the podcast, we will touch on the World Baseball Classic. And I think most of us know the big names from the Rays that are going to the World Baseball Classic, whether it's a Wander Franco, a Randy Rosarena, a Jason Adam. All told, there are 12 players in the Rays organization that are headed to play in the WBC. And for that reason, I thought it'd be nice to highlight some of those who maybe don't get as much attention. Uh, One of those, Isak Paredes, one of the three players from the Rays that's going to be with Mexico. And the other three players we uh, chat with in this podcast are all non-roster players. Uh, Two of them came from the Rays system, and Joe Lasorsa, who's playing for Team Italy, and Andrew Gross, who will be with Team Israel, and Graham Spraker, who's going to be with Great Britain, will be our other guest. But we begin with Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times and Topra was the one to break the news on Tyler Glasnow and obviously um, it's not great news but it could be a whole lot worse. Yeah I mean it's obviously a bit of a buzzkill Neil there was so much early in camp I know I wrote it in the Tampa Bay Times you obviously did it on your multiple formats and platforms that you spread your expertise on but talking about the potential for this to be one of the best rotations in all of baseball and the key to that was uh, in two parts it was the quality at the top in the one-two punch of Glass down McClanahan and the quantity of having five legit starters when you had Springs Rasmus and a new addition Zach Eflin. So to see one of those, you know, lead guys go out and, you know, it is an optimistic assessment. We've all been around this game long enough to know that they're rarely, uh, the, the numbers they rarely give out are rarely too long. It's often a guy ends up being out a little bit longer because they want to be sure, and which again makes sense, but you know, so maybe it's just two weeks of the regular season. I'm going to guess it's probably the full month. It's the eight more on the eight-week side. Maybe it's even early May when you see Glass now again. But on the positive side, and I know you like to point that out as well, and Kevin Cash did, you know, they were going to have to limit Glassnow's innings at some point. Now that really won't be a factor. When he comes back, he should be able to pitch unbridled the rest of the year. And certainly it could have been worse. I mean, oblique strain, sometimes those guys have them, and maybe more so hitters. You hear 12 weeks right out of the chute. So six to eight is obviously a positive assessment. But still, like I said, a little bit of a downer after what had been an optimistic first week or 10 days of camp. And as we touch on that, I mean, in Tyler's case, he has not thrown more than 100 innings in a season each of the last four years. So how many was he going to throw anyway? Was it inevitable that something might have happened either during the year 
or they were going to have to skip him or give him a lot of extra rest between starts. Yeah, I think that plan was more toward the latter. The way I'd heard it, it wasn't going to be to necessarily give him a longer rest or, or like put him on a six or seven day and the other guys on a four or five. But it was probably to shorten up some of those early outings. In fact, Kevin Cash joked that the one bright part of this, in, a, in you know, joking, obviously, was he wanted to have Tyler yelling at him for taking him out in the fifth inning early in the season. But there was going to be some management there, some workload management. That's kind of the phrase that people use. And so this does, like I said, alleviate that, assuming he comes back you know, healthy and can pitch the rest of the year. They could get to the end of the year and say this actually worked out pretty good. He wasn't right. He probably wasn't going to pitch. We know he wasn't going to pitch 200 innings. I mean, maybe 150 was, was kind of a rough number. But you know, if he comes back and you know, starts even, let's say, May 1st and then makes every start every five days for the rest of the year and is as good as – Tyler Glasnow is expected to be and that platforms him into next year when he's the highest paid player in Rays history in his final year of his contract and who knows what happens after that. Yeah, and if you make 25 starts at six per start on average that's 150 innings which if we're capping it hey it may work out perfectly and what also may work is the fact that Mark the Rays do have some depth and we've seen Yanni Chirinos and Luis Patino the last couple of days throw the ball fairly well, and one of those guys surely is going to be important, maybe both during the course of this year. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any doubt. We've seen the Rays some years use, what, 12 or 15 starters, so they're surely going to use seven, eight, or nine starters, and I think those are the first two guys you know that I would expect to be in the mix to take his place. I know uh, Kevin Cash pointed out to us there's going to be other candidates, and certainly Josh Fleming kind of being the lone lefty in that mix. It might depend on where they are, and you know, I haven't looked at the schedule yet, and we don't know how they're going to set it up, but you know, whether it's at the start of the year or there may be a stretch for a couple weeks in there where they decide a lefty take in those couple turns might be better. So just, you know, spitballing here. Maybe Patino or Chirino starts the year kind of in that fifth spot and they get to a stretch where they've got two or three turns coming up against a lefty. They switch to Fleming, a lefty hitting team. They switch to Fleming, then they switch back. But I think all those guys are going to play a factor. I will say this, you and I talked to Luis Patino on Wednesday in Northport and I was very impressed. I mean, a lot of guys will give you the, I got humbled last year, I had a rough year, I learned from it. But he seemed very sincere uh, and, and very motivated. And I think he said a couple times, it's time for him to show who Luis Patino is. And as someone who has worked as hard as I have to try and learn Spanish, for him to do that entire interview as he did in English without a translator was awful impressive too. I, I To me, it was another sign of maturity. It was, and you know, look, th those guys, a lot of the players we know, and we have the privilege to be around them often, and we know some of the guys who use a translator for interviews speak really good English otherwise, and we'll even have a little you know, informal talk with us occasionally in English. But you understand, they want to be careful that they don't misspeak uh, in, in a day where as soon as you do, it's all over the Internet. So I get that, but, but I agree. I thought Luis, is, he's kind of dabbled in doing interviews in English before, or he's gone back and forth, or... Like Frankie Mejia, he'll understand the question. He doesn't need the question translated, but he still wants his answer translated. But, yeah, I thought Louis having that conversation today with us, that was to me was part of him just being maybe more relaxed about it too. Yes, and look, uh, health is going to be a big part of this season, and he knows what it's like to deal with injuries as he had that a good part of last year. The other players who've been injured in camp, Sean Armstrong, Calvin Fauché out of the bullpen, and, and Taylor Walls, they're all getting closer to, if not – Fauché's case, he's resumed baseball activities. The others may soon, but we're still not quite sure how that all fits in big picture. Yeah, I think we're going to see, you know, the, the resumption of baseball activity doesn't necessarily mean they're going to jump right back into the lineup here. I mean, Taylor Wall seems pretty confident he'll be ready for the start of the season. If Sean Armstrong, I don't know where we can kind of fall on that. Calvin Fauché, uh, I guess it depends when he progresses from playing catch to start throwing on the mound. But we know the Rays are usually very cautious with injured pitchers. 
uh, and I think that'll be the case of these guys. But I do think at this point, we, we would see Taylor Walls ready to go, but I also think that the fact that the Rays have two veteran infielders on non-roster deals and Charlie Culberson and Daniel Robertson, whom obviously they know very well, will also preclude them from rushing uh, back as far as, as Walls too. We are closing what I call the first stanza of camp because we're done with Orlando. We're now ready uh, for the second portion at Tropicana Field, and we're also getting ready for a lot of players to leave and staff, too, with the WBC. Yeah, and that's going to be interesting, too. I know uh, Christian Bethencourt is getting on a plane Thursday morning uh, from Tampa to San Francisco, then uh, to, to L.A., then another plane to San Francisco, then another plane to Taiwan. Uh, and a couple other guys are having a long journey as well, a couple of the minor league guys that are pitching for Team Italy uh, and a couple others. But the most of the players from the Rays uh, that are going are either going to the camps in Arizona or the staying here in Florida. Certainly the Dominican team where Rodney Linares is the manager uh, is here in Florida. So they'll have less of a disruption. But, yeah, by March 6th, there's going to be uh, 12 players and 10 staffers that are going to be out, and some just for a week, a week and a half. Some if they get to the finals for like three weeks. It's going to be interesting to watch. And we'll be under the roof for part of this, too, as we'll be back at Tropicana Field. What stood out to you at the Disney Complex? And what stands out to you in going for the Rays and maybe taking advantage of the fact that they are going to be at Tropicana Field? Get used to the new rules. Get used to the, the turf, the, sm the, the shorter infield, and some of the other uh, changes with the speed-up rules. Yeah, there, there'll be a few things where I could see it being a benefit. I know Kevin Cash has said in a couple interviews that, you know, for some of their younger players who typically need a week or so, if they make the opening day roster to get it acclimated, they will be. You know, where the pitch clocks are, that'll be something to get used to. Um, there's always some changes to the trop. But realistically, Neil, it's going to be weird. I mean, spring training is played out in the sun. Uh, it's played, you know, in nice weather. It's sometimes played in bad weather, but it's an outdoor activity, even for the Rays. And I think that's going to be weird. Um, I, I don't know, but I'm guessing for some of the midweek games, especially there won't be big crowds. It'll be a weird atmosphere. You have a cavernous stadium. The Rays are doing what they can. They're only selling tickets foul pole to foul pole. Everybody's in the lower level. Uh, fairly up close, but it's going to be a weird atmosphere to get used to. I know the Rays are going to utilize uh, some city fields in St. Pete nearby uh, and shuttle guys over there because they want them working out in the sun uh, as well and getting used to that. So it's look, this was a hor horrific situation, and the slight inconvenience it's causing to spring training or to, to people like you or I saying, oh, this is weird. I mean, you have to think of the damage that was, you know, occurred to all the people in the Port Charlotte area. I know the Rays have said many times all their thoughts are, are still with them. Uh, this was a temporary thing. This worked out. Yeah, I think the Disney complex couldn't have worked out better for the Rays. There were some scenarios where they were going to be using fields that weren't major league quality. They got, you know, literally a major league facility that just happened to have been vacant the last couple of years when the Braves moved out. So I, I think all things considered, certainly to this point, it's worked out fine. And there's going to be a rainy day during the spring where the only game in town is going to be the Rays game at Tropicana Field. You might see a big crowd that day. It, were, it could work out really well in terms of the raising. Again, kudos to all involved, especially the clubhouse staff, because they basically are having to go from Orlando to St. Pete and also set up the minor league complex really without an off day on the schedule. So they're doing more work than anybody right now. Yeah, I know we talked to uh, Mitch Lukovic uh, was over at Disney, and he set up camp there. He's going to be there from before major league camp open to the end of minor league camp. He was saying he's going back to being minor league Mitch, but – there had been a lot of Ray staffers behind the scenes and certainly the minor league clubhouse crew. So there were the locker room at Disney was built for 58 players is what we heard. The Rays had 81 in there during the spring. 
they're going to have 144 minor leaguers, and because of how the other parts of the facility needs to be used during this month, they don't want to be going back and forth. So they were going to try and get 144 into a locker room built for 58. So I'm not really great at math, but good luck for Tim and Shane and that crew to see how they pull it off. Yeah, I'm sure they will do a great job, but yeah, not easy, and I'm sure the players will adjust, and kudos to all for dealing with the challenges, but at the same time, again, as we mentioned, thoughts are with the folks in, in all of Charlotte County because they've had to deal with a whole lot more after what Hurricane Ian did. As we look forward, Mark, what stood out to you besides what we touched on? We're getting to see a lot young player, a lot of young players this camp, and we'll probably see a lot more of them with the 12 players departing to the WBC. Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you one guy that's impressed me because I, I really, I, I faked it a little bit. I think you asked me about him when we did one of these in November after he got put on the roster, but I really had no idea what kind of player Basabe was. I don't think I could tell you what he looked like. I, I didn't know if he was a fast guy, a stocky guy, a strong guy, short, tall. And, and just seeing him play for a few days here, he is really impressive. I can see why he was added to the roster. I mean, certainly some of the bigger names we're familiar with, but, you know, Josh Lowe and Luke Raley are both off to good starts this spring. We could be looking at a pretty interesting battle. Add Ben Gamble to that mix. We saw his first game on Wednesday for the Rays. You know, maybe that's three guys that are kind of lefty-hitting outfielder, kind of first baseman at least with Raley and Gamble, competing for one spot possibly on the roster. That could be really interesting. Uh, certainly some of the arms, and even not just the marquee arms, but some of the guys that are going to be AAA, but just the, the quality of pitching, the velocity. So those are a couple of things that have stood out. And, look, you have to – obviously you start at the top two. Seeing Wander Franco, bop around, be happy. That homer, I'll tell you right now, if he has a good season, the homer on the first at bat of spring training will be brought up a couple times in writing about him. I'm sure. Mart Hopkin has covered it all. Uh, and this year from the start of spring training in one portion of the state – to another topper we appreciate a few minutes on the podcast i know if only we could do this when we're both sitting in traffic every morning right certainly appreciate the time of one more topkin of the tampa bay hey rob bradford here you guys know i'm always up for a good mvp story and one of the best stories is wasabi technology wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams including 20 major league baseball teams like the red Sox and nhl teams like the bruins and vancouver canucks even the liverpool football club is getting in on the wasabi action so why is wasabi the mvp well wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the amazons of the world are charging in fact wasabi is up to 80 percent less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data from wasabi's ai enabled intelligent media storage wasabi air to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals data deletion and ransomware wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data wasabi another boston-based championship team times and let's move now from uh what's gone on on the field to the upcoming world baseball classic isak paredes was a big part of the Rays last year he did hit 20 homers and i think for some that power was a little bit of a surprise and now he gets to play in the wbc with his current teammates randy rosarena and jonathan aranda and uh, with manny navarro translating i asked uh isak what it means to play in the wbc eh, pues es un, yo siento que es como una gran responsabilidad este, ya estamos representando al país a un nivel profesional y, y bueno es como un sueño hecho realidad para mí y para muchos que estamos ahí compitiendo por primera vez. 
No, it's, it's definitely special being able to represent your country, uh, especially for some of us who are doing it for the first time. It's definitely an honor to be out there with them. Is it more important for you or for your family? Is lo más importante para ti or para tu familia? Yo pienso que para es igual para la emoción de los dos y el orgullo de la familia y la mía creo que es el mismo sentimiento. I think it's uh, for both. I think they're proud as well, and they're also very happy for, to see me out there. My family's very proud of what we're doing. Your family, will they be there? Tu familia eh, estará allá? Sí. Sí, claro que sí. Yeah, of course they'll be there. <laughs> and what does it mean to go with your teammates? ¿Qué la significa uh, para el clásico, para tus compañeros, a Rosarena y Aranda? It's a beautiful thing being able to go with you know my fellow Mexican teammates and be able to support them and being able to uh, get on the field with them. And for this year, uh, or, or last year, you had a really good year. What did you learn? Tenías uh, un uh, uh, un, un buen uh, temporada el año pasado. Uh, ¿Qué aprendiste el año pasado? Eh, aprendí todo, sobre todo, es, claro, nos quedamos con todas las cosas positivas y, y aprender de, de las cosas negativas que, que te ayudan a madurar y, y aprender para, para venir al otro año mejor. I learned a lot. I learned a lot. You really got to learn to, to stay positive and to be able to turn the, the negatives into a good thing. And um, I definitely learned a lot about, about everything. And how much, how do you want to improve? ¿Cómo estás mejorar este año? Este, pues año con año, ¿no? Uno, uno no deja de aprender y, y bueno, este, quisiera mejorar mucho, en muchas cosas, sobre todo un poco más en la defensa y tener más movilidad. And uh, year by year, you know, you always want to get better in every aspect. And I think I want to get a little bit better with my defense and also with my mobility. And are you more comfortable now uh, in your second year? ¿Estás más cómodo en tu segundo año con los tres? Claro que sí, está un poco más de confianza. Of course, I've, got, I've gained a little bit more confidence. We wish Isak Paredes a lot of luck and all the 12 race players, obviously a lot of good fortune. And certainly some of them have more unique paths to get to the WBC than others. Probably the most unique is Graham Spraker. He was a minor league free agent that the Rays signed pretty close to the start of spring training. He had been with the Toronto Blue Jays. And for the first time, he is playing with Great Britain. And I asked them to tell me how it all came about. Well, obviously, it's a huge honor. Um, I'm going to be proud as ever to put on that Great Britain uniform for the first time. Um, but actually, uh, I didn't wasn't I wasn't sure I was eligible, and I didn't even know who to call. It was uh, a training partner of mine that I did some throwing with this off season. He just happened to have a phone number on him for one of the coaches. He was just one of those guys that's just I got a number for everybody. He was just really connected, and uh, me and my training partner Malik Bins on the spot just sent out a text. Um, Got a quick response saying, like, got your names. Uh, I'll push them over, and if you get a response back, then then cool. Then we can go from there. Um, and then I didn't hear. Malik heard back really quickly that he was eligible. Uh, his father was born in Jamaica, so it was, like, a very easy, uh, very easy yes. Uh, I didn't hear back for, like, a month, maybe a month and a half. And I finally got a call from the bullpen coach, and... He's told me that he had the wrong number, that he was trying to get a hold of me for a while. And uh, so I sent over my mother's passport. My mother was born in Hong Kong, 
uh, and so she's held a British passport for most of her life, but uh, it has been long expired. Um, so I, Connor Brooks got a hold of me. I sent over my stuff, and then uh, and then it kind of just unfolded from there. But then again, I went like maybe two or three more weeks without hearing anything. Uh, I got uh, terms sent to me to my agent by the Rays to sign for a contract here, and I I had to call them back because I had to find out. I had to find out if if I just wasn't hearing anything, if there was a small chance that I was on the team I didn't know. Um, and so yeah, I called them back, and the same day I got terms from the Rays. They're like, oh yeah, you're. You're on the 30. Like, absolutely. We need to. We need to know if you can play or not. And so then it turned into this whole 24 hours of, of calling people, trying to figure out, get everything squared away. Based on all that, how appreciative you the Rays are saying, yeah, it's it's a great opportunity. Take advantage of it and enjoy it. Oh, the most. At the most, uh, like everything. The camp invite, all of it. Um, they're really doing everything they can to, to help me out. Um, and I, I completely believe that. Um, it's awesome. Um, at first, it was looking like the WBC would possibly be hindering me from getting like a clean start into the Rays organization. It wasn't something that I was I was originally going to back out because I didn't uh, I didn't want to sign a contract with a brand new team and then just not come to spring training. That would have definitely been uh, a tough way to start my season. So the Rays invited me to camp, giving me all the time in the world to get a look at me and then still giving me the opportunity to go play in the WBC. I'm, I'm very grateful. And from that end, how did you end up signing with the Rays and were there other organizations you looked at before you settled on Tampa Bay? Um, I was I thrown for several teams. Um, me and my agent were, were, were talking with a lot of them. Uh, we uh, never got to a, like, a true negotiating point or a true number with a couple other teams, but uh, we were both from the very beginning, we were both very, very excited and uh, determined to, to get an offer from the Rays and then to go this direction. Um, I wouldn't say that I'm super familiar with the organization from the inside, but uh, there are certain individuals who are with the Rays that I've had experience with in the past that are, are looking over their shoulder and, and keeping an eye on me. So uh, I definitely have some people that got my back here as well. So describe your stuff before you came in here and maybe how, since the Rays do have a reputation for helping pitchers out, how you hope to grow. So from taking a look around uh, with looking at the other free agents that were brought in this year, um, I definitely am, am part of a very specific archetype of the kind of player that the Rays were going for. Uh, I throw a, a very high vertical fastball, um, which was something that... I would think was fairly special about me, but is very normal around here, which is which is awesome. So it's it's cool to see that the Rays see what I do, and they they've determined that that works, and I'm just happy to be a part of it now because yeah, they're leaving the rest up to me. But uh, I hope to see uh, some changes with some of my off-speed mixes. So I think my fastball is still definitely going to be my main my main offering, my main weapon this year. Um, I'm looking to put my cutter more back into the focal point. Um, it was kind of my season last year. Uh, my usage of my cutter was, was down, and I was trying to throw this, uh, this sweeping slider that's kind of swept across the minor leagues. Uh, everybody throws one now, what it seems like. Um, but I'm trying to put the focal point back on the fastball-cutter combination. And, uh, and already I've been uh, getting help with, uh, with both Basti and some of the other pitching coaches here on a changeup as well kind of like 
spread out my mix a little bit more, open up the right side of the plate. And since you've been in other camps, what's the vibe, the environment, and how helpful can that also be in terms of growth? This is awesome here. Uh, everybody's door is open, um, including like uh, both players and coaches, uh, but especially coaches. Everybody seems more than happy to take whatever time they need to talk to me. Same thing with the athletic training staff. It's been it's been awesome so far. I have, I have zero complaints, no negative comments at all. It's been a totally positive experience. That's right-handed pitcher Graham Spraker. Now, he is the only non-roster player from the Rays organization that's playing in the WBC that didn't begin his career with the Rays. The three that uh, are non-roster players include Trevor Brigden with uh, Team Canada, Joe Lasorsa uh, from Team Italy, and Joe uh, has kind of a unique path and also some Rays connections that got him into the WBC. So one of the recruiters for Team Italy, we were in constant contact the whole entire offseason because I was trying to make sure the paperwork and everything was going through, and then um, once they... Uh, finally saw that everything went through and all my uh, credentials for um, playing in the World Baseball Classic passed. They obviously liked uh, the type of pitcher I was and the stats were good enough that they wanted me. So they said yes and I was very excited about it. Did the fact that Blake Butera is co-managing their club help at all or how much did that play into you getting the opportunity? I think so because if I believe uh, he's co-managing, I definitely think that you know having someone within our org playing for Team Italy, knowing uh, him and the fact that he was my manager for two seasons in 19 and 21 and playing very well behind him, I think that was definitely also something that went into it as well, and I think he'd like that. Is that something you've wanted to do for a while, to get to play in the Classic? Yeah, because I remember growing up watching the Classic with my brother, and we loved it, and I always remember thinking, like, wow, um, <laughs> playing in the WBC one day would be amazing, but... You know, it's just crazy to see how now in 2023, playing for Team Italy, it's uh, it's coming real. Is there something to be said for also playing under Mike Piazza as someone who grew up in New York City? I didn't know how much that meant to you personally or to your family members. Absolutely, yeah. He is regarded as a hero, definitely, where I'm from. Every kid growing up had his poster on their bedroom wall. And, you know, growing up a Mets fan, uh, definitely seeing him as my manager. I'm going to be very excited and honored to play under him. So will it be kind of weird? I mean, I'm sure 10-year-old Joe LaSource is probably as excited as anyone. I think at first meeting him, it would probably be a little bit weird, but um, then playing under him and getting to know him a little bit better, I'm sure it'll be just like any other manager I've had, except this one's in the Hall of Fame. When did you learn about, do you remember like what month or, or close to what day you learned that? And then how close to that was, hey, I'm also going to big league spring training? Uh, it was all kind of around the same time. So it was really a lot to digest in the off season when you're not really doing that much. And you're kind of just working out and training every day and there's really no baseball activities yet. But then once everything clears and you know that you get to go to big, uh, big league spring training because of it, it's definitely something that's really cool and that was really exciting for me and me to share with the rest of my family too. Um, you had a very good year last year numbers-wise. What allowed you to have success and what did you learn about yourself last year? Definitely switching the mentality of wanting to attack every hitter and wanting them to hit the ball as opposed to trying to get them to chase and nip at corners and really just being happy with myself, knowing how I need to pitch, what my game plan is, and just going out and attacking. 
Since most of our fans haven't seen you, though, in person, what is that? What makes you successful when you're going well? Because you picked up, you, you mentioned, you know, attacking, but you got a lot of strikeouts last year, too. Yeah, that is true. Um, I definitely think my niche is working quick and just throwing everything I can for a strike and really not thinking otherwise of it. What pitches would you say are your best, and what do you hope to learn maybe in this camp that can help you get ready for the season? Sinker slider, and then definitely I'd love to see some guys really kind of just share or sh uh, shed some light on how they go maybe in and out on some guys so I can get a little bit more freezes and called strike threes. And what has it meant so far in your first big league camp, and when are you here until? I'm here till March 2nd. And it's definitely been an unbelievable experience. Definitely one of the best in my baseball career so far. And I'm definitely just going to make the most of every day. Good stuff from Joe Lasorsa, who's in his first Major League camp. And the same applies for Andrew Gross, who's getting to play in his first World Baseball Classic with Team Israel. And I asked Andrew uh, what led to that. I played with a teammate of mine in Puerto Rico, Alex Katz, and, and he's Jewish. He's played on the Olympic team and the WBC before in 2017. And he got me in contact uh, a little bit. And then Simon Rosenbaum, one of our coaches, he reached out to me pretty much right at the end of the deadline and uh, asked me if I had any interest. And all I had to do was submit some proof. And, you know, I was in a week later. So it was kind of a surprise, you know. So what does it mean to you to do that? And what are you most excited about? I mean, it, it really means everything to me. I mean, to be able to play for Israel, you know, I know that's that's my family heritage. It's my lineage. It's where I go back to. And, uh, you know, most of my career I've been you know considered the underdog and and I know uh, that's how most of the world sees Israel so we're just going out there uh, me myself and my team to try to you know shock the world and uh, and show them what we can really do you know they're saying this is the best Israel team they've put together so far and uh, I look forward to proving that with them. So from a family standpoint what does it mean to your family? I, I didn't know how either religious or how much culturally it means. Yeah my uh, my direct family right now the ones that are alive aren't uh, aren't too in line with Jewish heritage, but it more goes like deeper into my lineage, going back to like Lithuania, my grandparents were Jewish. Um, my grandpa served in the Vietnam War as a Jew. Um, so it, it means a lot in, in respects of like, you know, paying respect and playing for them. Um, and, and, you know, having my family there to support me is a, a big deal too. Will they be able to come and watch you? <laughs> yeah, they will. Um, I already got four tickets put aside for for all four of the games, and uh, and I have some extra ones uh, for you know if 10, 10 of my family members decide to show up, that's how many tickets I got. So, at the same time, this is also your first big league camp. So tell me how you learned about it, when you learned about it, and what it means from that end. Yeah, so I pretty much found out I was coming to big league camp uh, the same day, pretty much five minutes after I figured out I was going to the World Baseball Classic, um, and you know I'm I'm excited to be here and and be able to use this as you know, not only a building block for my career, but also like, um, and like a, a way to like prepare my body for the WBC because you know we're going against some of the best talent in in, in Miami over there against the Dominican and Puerto Rico. But um, I'm I'm excited to get going with the Rays just as much as the WBC. You had a pretty good year last year. I mean, very high strikeout numbers. What did you learn last year about yourself, and how do you hope to take things further? Uh, yeah, I mean, last year, uh, you know, it was my first first year in Double A. That's considered, you know, the first year of of like the men's league in, in pro ball. You know, it's it's a little bit high level of talent. Things start moving a little bit faster. Um, I, I learned how to slow the game down a little bit, concentrate on what I need to focus on. 
um, take each out, out by out, you know, individually one at a time and, and just kind of do my work. And, you know, I think I learned a lot there and then going to play in Puerto Rico, I was able to take my talent over there and, and, and compete at a higher level with big league guys and, uh, and understand the culture of how, you know, the big leagues operate over there and bring it here and uh, feel more comfortable at home on the big league side of things. What are, since most of our fans haven't seen you, what are the pitches you throw and what, when you're going well, what goes well for you? Yeah, so I'm a, I'm a sidearm pitcher. I, I transitioned in uh, my freshman year of junior college uh, because over the top wasn't really working out for me. And uh, yeah, I throw a sinker, four seam slider, and a Vulcan change. And uh, my slider is pretty much my go-to uh, for strikeouts. Um, and, but the sinker sets that up really well. Um, to lefties, I would say the Vulcan change is a little bit more of a weapon. Um, but you know, sinker slider—that's that's, that's going to be the the bread and butter for side armors. You've got obviously some guys with some experience who are side armors. Ryan Thompson, have you picked his brain at all? And if not, do you hope to do so at some point during this camp? Yeah, I think we've got uh, you know Ryan Thompson being the most notable, and we've got two I think two other sidearm guys uh, in the organization. I've definitely talked to them a little bit. Haven't got a chance to sit down with Ryan Thompson yet one on one, but. Um, I have talked to him before Big League Camp, and uh, I look forward to like hearing what he has to say and kind of picking his brain a little bit. Certainly appreciate the opportunity to chat with Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times, as well as all of our WBC players, Isak Paredes, Graham Spraker, Joe LaSorsa, and Andrew Gross. And I uh, hope you're going to follow all of our uh, news on the Rays throughout spring training on our blog, raysradio.moblogs.com. We, in essence, have at least two podcasts a week during the course of spring training, too, and our next one will be based on our Countdown to Opening Day show, which will precede our Saturday and Sunday games this weekend, and the guests will be tied to the WBC. Rodney Linares, the Rays bench coach, who, of course, is managing the team from the Dominican Republic, and Jason Adam will be with us, too, big part of the Rays bullpen and the loan. Tampa Bay representative for Team USA. Thanks so much for listening. We will chat with you soon. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.